0: Crowpod contains language and themes which may not be suitable for everybody. I'm just second-hand, news. I'm just second-hand, news. Yeah. secondhand News here on the Crowpod for the twentieth of September, and my God, do we have a lot to get to? <laughs> Fuck me. Yeah, I kind of want to start out with one here, just, just just more direct. Obviously, we're gonna get to John Bennett, we're gonna get to some more fun stuff, but. Um, uh, Brian Loudrup there in his regular column on the mail. Uh, well, y- you know, sometimes when we say stuff or somebody like us says something on Twitter, people kind of scoff and usually kind of comes down to you guys are just bringing up criticisms for the sake of it. But, uh, Brian Loudrup passed a lot of the same things like, where's Matondo? When Matondo isn't on screen, everybody should be asking where Matondo is. And of course this comes from the fact that, well, G- Gio said, uh, the reason that he wasn't on the bench for Dundee United was that he had to cut the squad from 23 for the Champions League down to 20, which would make sense if Matondo had not been the option off the bench against Napoli in said Champions League match. Um, I mean, it's just like, God, he just opens his mouth and, and stuff just falls out of it. It doesn't, That doesn't sync with what actually just happened, which, look, I, I'd be rattled too. I mean, if, if my best performance out of the past four was uh, squeaking past the worst team in the league by miles at home, I mean, I'll, I'll give a lot of credit, too, here. He does give him some cover. I mean, after asking, well, where's Ben Davies? Where's Ridvan Yomez? right? Uh, you know, Tillman is kind of dropping in and out, but to be fair, his form's kind of dropped in and out, although he's not a right wing. Don't know why we keep trying that one. Uh, I guess we do win matches now with Scott Arfield playing on the right wing, so... Why the fuck not just shove whoever out there? But, uh... No, but, uh... louder goes, uh... was it? Buying so many players and then not using them raises some obvious questions. Have the club simply scouted poorly in some instances? Or did Van Bronkhorst, despite his positive words about the window, not get what he actually wanted? Did he have full control over who came in? Through his actions, the Ibrox manager is telling these players that they're either not good enough or not ready enough. Yes! That, I mean, that's... Yeah. That's that's it. Uh you know, we we got nine matches this month in, a, in a really well this upcoming month after the international break here. Uh, obviously the schedule does not get any better between now and November. Yet I'm sure, you know, somehow we're gonna hear that Ben Davies still needs fitness. He's not gotten minutes. Uh, we've been down three 0 in matches and brought Steven Davis on to ping around perfectly weighted passes. As if that's somehow going to get us back into the match. I mean, the, the, the squad is not functioning as a squad. And I think louder nailed it here perfectly. So that's the word. And The longer it goes on, the more difficult it becomes. If a player can't get on the pitch or even the bench at home against the Dundee United team who are bottom of the league, then when will they? What, what, a, what a great question, Brian. That's, that's, the, uh, that's the kind of questions that we need right there. 2nd news, back here on the crow pod for the 20th of September. As always, please scroll down, hit the buy me a coffee link, help us out, maybe win some stuff from the famous. It's real easy to do. I mean, Even three bucks helps out a lot with, uh, well, all the shit that I've had to buy recently to keep doing these. But, John Bennett, oh boy, John Bennett, John Bennett, our deputy chairman came out today in an interview on RTV, and then it was on uh, YouTube. And then the other part was on YouTube and nobody really seemed to know or explain why. It's kind of funny given how much, uh, well, he talked about, uh, you know, we need to communicate better with the fans. But then we're going to make these random decisions about where to release stuff. I mean, knowing the people I know in the digital department, I would reckon they they probably gave him the right advice. Or the, uh, the board or whoever the hell was ultimately making the decision on how to release this thing the right advice. And it was ignored. I right, bet at one point in the interview said uh, he's annoyed at, at valid, valid criticism or observations. Our communication with our fans has not been good enough. Let's fix that. Great job. Good start right here. Uh, you, you know, at one point, there, there was another point in here where he's talking about the fans. And uh, let me get the quote here in my notebook. I was, I was very struck by English Premier League fans and their reaction. Certain clubs, that whole Super League stuff, of course, the European Super League, that told the owners of those clubs. Who really owns the clubs? I'm a part owner of Rangers, but I'm every bit as much an owner of Rangers as a fan, a supporter as I am. Somebody who happens to own some shares. Never will we take them for granted. I don't know. I mean, a lot of this was was rambling, which is pretty bad when, when you're releasing something via club channels. That uh, at certain points you're just kind of running off in the tangents or running yourself in the cul-de-sacs. But to get back to that ESL point. Uh, again, that he was struck at their reactions to to the whole Super League stuff. So why in the fuck did you and the rest of the board think that uh, a a friendly in Australia against them would be a good idea? Uh, I I none none of this you know the, those don't really sync up those those concepts. Not very simpatico. Um, presumably, if if you somehow learned a lesson from all this Super League shit, you might have. Maybe taking that into uh maybe taking that into to how we, you know, run Rangers. I it's crazy. But of course, a lot of this a lot of this kind of focused back to uh well, I mean people rightly so have been asking questions about the money and where the money's at and why we're not spending money and why the money that we have spent hasn't been utilized on the park, as we just talked about there with with Brian Loudrup's comments. Um <laughs> there, there's a lot to cut through. Uh, I picked out a few things here, but you know, of course, he's talking about squad building, the fourth pillar. Yes, that that, that infamous fourth pillar. If you don't remember from John Van the AG, you know, again, let, let me. Just, this is a quote. Let's just read this here. The thing that strikes me when we get money falling out of the sky and I'm playing windfalls, I haven't known them at Rangers. I'm afraid I've known unplanned costs. I can tell you, and and we would spend this entire interview itemizing that, as there's so many. Please do, uh, but we'll get back to that. But unplanned, particularly when it comes to player trading, and I do want to talk about this to imply that it's falling from heaven, it's so wrong. Very much part of the model. Let's go back to the AGM where I spoke about four pillars. What was the fourth pillar? And I said I wasn't yet standing. Maybe four pillars isn't the analogy and it's four cylinders and an engine. I don't know. But if an engine's going to work on four cylinders, you have to have all four firing. Uh, player trading model wasn't up and running wasn't up and firing here's the fact you ready for this folks here's the fact from the deputy chairman who's been there for how long now here's the fact it's only been up and running up and firing for months and it's called january 2022 with the sale of young nathan patterson deputy chairman just told us that we've only had a player trading model in place for seven months how many years into this project are we Seven months is how long we've had a player trading model. I mean, it obviously shows up because well, you know, let's let's go look at some of these. Um I, I, I came up, but I want to say there's fifteen or sixteen players out of contract between now and, and the end of 2024. So the end of next season, 18 months. Ken Morales, of course, are the two big ones everybody knows about, although the, the board was out teasing that Alfredo Morales had signed a new contract, was more than happy to put that out amongst its its many many friends. Uh, That's obviously not the case. So there's two. The two Americans, James Sands and Malik Tillman, that's going to be around an 8 to 10 million pound outlay just to acquire him. There's no chance, or no guarantee rather, that Tillman stays because if he's actually doing well, uh, obviously we could sign him from Bayern for that uh, roughly 6 million uh, fee that's been bandied about. Although they have a buyback clause, which And if he's playing that well, they'll immediately use good good profit. Although again, where where does uh well where the hell do we actually use that money at? Right. You got nine other squad members. Among them, of course, the three the three that were given contracts in the summer, none of whom would have been pursued by any other club in the Champions League. Uh, Although we're we're now back relying on a forty year old goalkeeper again short short-sighted planning well but hey John John told us the player trading model was not in place until January 2022 so I guess we couldn't really couldn't really expect anything else than still relying on Alan McGregor in 2022. uh the other three leave uh, of course Haji who will be back sometime after the 2026 World Cup uh Leon King and Robbie McCrory who got a Scotland call-up and who' was miles away from the squad then hit Rangers. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's not, that's not good when, uh, your deputy chairman, because of course, well, you know, the chairman not available. I mean, he's got photo ops to worry about God forbid. I mean, I, I, am kind of curious how many of my Jaris points you have to have in order to see the interview with him. But, um, you're telling us that there wasn't a player training model in place, which means none of this groundwork or anything was laid out until seven months ago. And this is the state of our squad. Again, if we had a director of football and a managing director, this is their part of the business. Because, again, I mean, of course, Bennett told us everything's great with, with sponsorships and, and all the all the uh, kind of revenue that comes off of Bisgrove's side. So let's not even worry about that one for today. Let's worry about this part here. The managing director and the director of football did not have in place a player trading model until the middle of the last season. Again, that's a failure and you can't just come out and say this kind of stuff in the midst of an interview where you, you lament the lack of communication to fans and, and how you guys have gone about doing some of this stuff. You can't come out and say this kind of stuff in an interview and then not expect us to, to take that and look at it and go, well, then what the fuck is wrong with this? That's bad. That's very poor. And now you have just said it. You've communicated it to us. there's some other numbers in here he talks about 23 million on on <laughs> capital expenditure over two years which is just an unfucking believable number but let let's let's put that out so well uh, you've got Edmondson house which is now somewhere around five to six million over budget right uh i I, I God help me I have no idea what the operating costs. I mean, are they going to be expecting people to spend 50 to 75 pounds a ticket to get in there? Uh, Oh, five to six million pounds over budget. Uh, Of course, we didn't sell the Albion, so there's three million pounds that they had planned on. And I don't know, let's give them credit for two to three million in rising costs, I guess, over the course of uh, COVID and this inflation-driven period. So that, that leaves 11 million pounds that... No one at the club is really accounted for in capital expenditure over two years that's that's quite a bit. I mean, thank God apparently we sold Calvin Bassey just just to cover all these kinds of projects well you, you know let's let's go back to the Kira McGuire story that came out about well, it kind of covered a, a lot of these same bases. Funny how that one works out, John Bennett. But, uh, you know, it, I mean, th- this is here, I mean, look, if we have to fucking sell two players for record fees and make a European final every year to break even, then what the fuck is going on with the business? Because this kind of stuff is here, I mean, th- th- this is downplaying fan supporter expectations, and, and it's covering up for where the, where the fuck did this money go? Again, you're coming out here and telling us that you're not communicating enough to us, and you, you've just left 11 million pounds unexplained. In the supposed capital expenditure, and then and then later on in the interview, you're talking about how we still have to improve disabled services. How many AGMs in a row have you guys talked about that? Yet you've got 11 million pounds in unaccounted for capital expenditure. That that, that uh, what where? And then of course, on top of that, what we need seven to eight players for the first team coming up here in the next 18 months. We need key core squad players, and you've just told us our player trade model has only existed for seven months. Uh, apparently we need to sell two players on record transfer fees within six months of each other and make a European final to somehow break even, and, and even then we're not going to actually have money to spend on players. Un-fucking-believable. Un-fucking-believable. It, well, and, then, and then the temerity, too. I mean, complaints about fees being reported in the media. A lot of those were coming out of the club. I mean, th- those were coming out of the club via, via their usual channels. Again, John, you, you clearly talked to Kieran Maguire about that story. And, uh, and I mean, let's be honest, here, I, I'm not sure Bennett would be out here if it weren't for, for all the shit that gone on with uh, Kyle Fox with, with this, you know, the whole American uh, was a KRF capital or whatever. I mean, uh, you know, and he just kind of skirts through this uh, by saying, what well, there's been speculation about the American group in particular recently. Speculation, he calls it speculation about the American group. That's because you were talking to them. You chose to engage with them. One of a number of groups who have come to talk to us and I believe that will continue to happen. The bit that surprised me was when I was in Amsterdam, the noise levels seemed to go up a bit about potential salaries from within the boardroom. Uh, I continues on here later. In fact, I've recently increased my position above 5%, and when the said American group did approach us, I actually took that as an opportunity to sound out most of our big investors to say, look, where are you? What do you think of this? And they rightly said, not only is there no harm in listening, and we do listen, we politely listen to a number of proposals, and that will happen again, I'm quite sure. No harm in listening is the right thing to do as well from a fiduciary point of view. And so (laughs) so we did, we gave, god damn, this is just rambling mess. So we did, we gave quite a lot of time to that situation, and we listened. See, see the problem is not that, that you, you listen to this interest. and the, pro, the problem, again, comes from the fact that we find out from court filings, again, you don't communicate. Uh, you say you're going to own that, but then you bullshit your way through communication throughout this interview. You don't actually offer, well, the actual reasons, or responses, or all the information, even as you acknowledge that we deserve the information. Uh, and, and let's, you know, let's let's look at it. Apparently, everybody deserves deserves a look. Now, now K, KRF, uh, <laughs> it's just word salad website. KRF is a leading independent capital advisory firm providing unconflicted strategic advice and best-in-class execution. And then you go to the about us. KRF Capital is a leading global independent advisory firm. Uh, it's, you know. Oh, fuck here here. The LinkedIn KRF capital is a leading global independent advisory firm that provides innovative strategic advice to a diverse client base. This company was founded in 2019. Now I'm not, uh, look, I, I understand financial vehicles come and go. People do shit all the time, but you know, we had a financial director not long ago who, who did this kind of shit. Fleece companies out of money. Um, Sometimes you really don't have to entertain anybody's inquiries. Sometimes you can just say no. I, I, I'm not sure what all had to be looked at here past, again, I just, that, that's from the Google search from KRF Capital. where the, Again, it's a, it's a word salad, stock run Facebook page or, or website or LinkedIn or whatever the fuck it is. I think, uh, you know, had somebody like that come to me, I could have uh, you know punted them back right there. But again, you know, Bennett throughout this whole interview keeps talking about how, look, the fans are really the owners. The fans are really the owners. By the way, please make sure you pay the RTV. Oh, wait, no, no. Sorry, if you did just buy RTV just to watch this interview, don't worry about it. Because we're going to put it up on YouTube after uh, two hours of people bitching. It's just more short-sighted fucking nonsense. All this, this is 33 minutes that anyone who fucking watched it could have skipped. And you'd know just as much as you did going into it. Outside of the fact that, again, I mean, their contempt knows no fucking bounds because they will sit there and tell us that they need to tell us the truth and fucking continue to lie through their teeth. Speaking of potential American investors and rangers, let's let's take one more quick break and come back for part three. I got, I got, I got some fun stuff here for you. Okay, guys. buckaroos. Here we go again. Gonna try and slide on by you once more. Don't matter how you do it. Gonna do it like we know what we're doing. Like we've been down this road once, twice before. Cause I don't get to my stocking tree. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. All right, welcome back again for uh, Secondhand News here on the 20th of September. Uh, like, like I said, we're, we're going to go back. American investors, right? There have been many before Kyle Fox uh, tossed about with, with, with well, potential ties to Rangers. Of course, Bill Miller, the the uh, uh, tow truck tycoon from my old stomping grounds down there in East Tennessee. He was he was a fun one. Uh, he had a, it was it Jim Pritchard or whatever, Club Nine. Who are who man, but just about as reliable and good as this KRF Capital, which, which again comes back to the fact of John Bennett, you don't have to talk to every if I call you up and say I'm representing some people with, with with a substantial financial interest. No, you don't have to listen to fucking everybody. And you obviously don't have to listen to the point where oh fuck that. I don't want to talk about him anymore. There was one from twenty fifteen as well, Bennett. And uh, of course, Murray and Park and Dave King and all of them are coming back to save us. Uh, there was one who popped up right at that exact moment, and uh, you know, I, I want to for people who weren't here for the original CrowPod or, or the original website, you, all you've known is this new one since uh, uh, David dragged me back out during COVID, and I've slowly but surely gotten back to, to more regular stuff like this. But the, the the kind of shit that we did all the time was like actual reporting work. Uh, you know, I kind of always told the, the other guys, like, you know, the, the Crows sort of like the dead spin of Rangers in that we, we do, um, well, reporting on the club without access, favor, or discretion, right? It got dirty sometimes, and sometimes, you know, some people deserved it. And one of those people was Robert Sarver, uh, who is the uh, 17-year now owner of the Phoenix Suns. He also owns uh, Mallorca. They're in uh, the Spanish leagues. But if you guys remember, back in uh, January 2015, when when everything was kind of shaking out and it was all coming to a head, uh, which again, John Bennett just told us we didn't have a player trading model until January 2022. Man, that's some timeline shit right there. But uh, seven and a half years ago, Robert Sarver, whose, whose name's been in the news recently for, uh, well, the NBA suspended him the other day for a year and fined him $10 million for being a racist. Uh, he'd come in, his name came out. And it was a, I went back and, and found some of my notes on all this stuff. So the 4th of January 2015, Robert Sarver's name suddenly shows up in discussions about Vion Rangers. And by the 5th of January, by the very next day, it was obvious that it was already too late for him. Uh, and, and and realistically, the, the whole reason his name really started showing up was that uh, well, Jack Irvin <laughs> was of course using Sarver's name in uh, in emails to uh, potential buyers, investors, whatever the fuck it was, without Sarver's team even knowing. Not not that Jack Irvin would ever do such a thing, but uh, you know, th- th- even by that point, it was it was too late because Park and King had already made their move. Um, which, well, uh, you know, I I, I think I, I called Sarver's uh, injection into the situation a distraction, which was latched onto by just a lot of absolute throbbing rectums of people in the, the, the general com support, um, who, who, oh man, I, sometimes you just can't explain people why things work. But uh, the 8th of January came back, he upped his bid if You guys remember to uh 20 million pounds and uh what, what he called six and a half million pounds of investment, but he wanted total control of the company at 20, 20 pence per share. And the board by this point couldn't accept the bid, uh, because again, Park and King and all of them had, had already beat him kind of to the corner. And it required 75 percent of shareholders to even begin entertaining server's bid, which was already gone. Um, I, I think at that point, again, he he would have required the entire, like, green Easdale block of shares to even, well, ha- have a chance in this conversation. I kind of sat there for a couple weeks. And on January 20th, uh, I I just called service plan DLA because it-, it was. It was dead on arrival. Which, again, riled the same people. They riled when I call this bit of distraction. I mean, how-, how-, how could the bit of a man with net worth of $500 million be a distraction? Because it was. Because it didn't fucking matter at that point. For some reason, and, and again, I'm just going off notes I found in the notebook here, but for some reason on February 4th, some other site came back on and said, Sarvis bid still in play and it had been improved and all this other shit. Which, again, you know, look, secondhand news, right? The whole point of the show is I, I try to bring a little bit of my many, many years of experience in journalism back out here to the front to, to try to well, at least explain some stuff. And and I remember, like, going back to this, I had no idea where the fuck this one came from. I still I, I didn't write down what site. I, I have an idea of who I think did it, but I, I don't want to get in anybody's shit over seven years later. But, uh, of course, what, what I did then was just call Sarver's people who, uh, you know, confirmed, well, no, that, that wasn't at all the case. And, of course, what ended up happening was Sarver fade into the background because, uh, well, as I said, his bid was a distraction and dead on arrival. And uh, he comes back. I mean, the, the next time I had my football season, him, him and Steve Nash buy uh, Mallorca the next January uh, for, for roughly about the same amount of, of cash and initial investment that was being bandied about the, the 20 million uh, pounds and about six and a half million for investment. And by June of 2017, Mallorca had gone <laughs> to the third tier of uh, Spanish football. Yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of in a Norwich position now, from what I can tell. I mean, the, look, I, my. my uh, interactions with La Liga well pretty much are uh, oh shit it's it's on the ESPN plus yeah fuck it i'll watch some football for a little while um, bring this up though of course like i said robert sarver's been in the news recently uh well you, you know I, I think it's important here when when john bennett says that we'll talk to any investor that you know there are some people that you don't need to uh, that you don't need to talk to and some of these stories have gone back I've well, gotten gone back to to that time, uh, and of course, yeah. You know, look, it, it doesn't matter how much money some people have; they shouldn't fucking be around, right? And uh, well, it, it took it took until well in 2019 there was a first story uh, from Kevin Arnovitz. This is the first ESPN story, and and this story all talked about was how dysfunctionally run the Phoenix Suns organization was, and it was I mean it was laughable at times. The the, the amount of um, it just how much, uh, Sarver wanted his hands on stuff, how much his wife was involved in stuff. I mean, it was, it was fucking crazy. But if you read through the cracks there, especially with a lot of the reporting that's come out since, um, it it was really like, uh, you're not getting to the whole story here. And it wasn't until, uh, Baxter Holmes, who's been working on this now for ESPN for, for about a year, he, he came out with a story, um, well, back in uh, November, November fourth of twenty twenty one, NBA launches investigation to Sarver over racism and sexism charges after Baxter Holmes released a story that detailed racism <laughs> and sexism charges. I mean, like what one of the one of the great quotes uh, after this, after a loss, Suns majority owner Robert Sarver entered the coach's locker room. Uh, this is uh, he's he's talking with uh, Earl Watson. Uh, th- this is his third game in charge of the Phoenix Suns. This is back in 2016, I would say, so r- just over a year after his interest in Rangers. Sarver comes in, starts, uh, starts talking, he goes, you know what, why does Draymond Green, of course, the, the Golden State Warrior center forward, why does Draymond Green get to run up and down the court and say, N-word? Sarver, who is white, allegedly said, repeating the N-word several times in a row. You can't say that, Watson, who is black and Hispanic, told Sarver. Why? Sarva replied. Draymond Green says, N word. You can't fucking say that, Watson said again. <laughs> um ESPN uh, ended up talking about more than 70 employees who all painted this picture. It was pretty fucking clear. Uh one son's co owner. Again, this would have been somebody who was working with Sarver at the time that he was trying to take over Rangers, allegedly. Uh, said the level of misogyny and racism is beyond the pale. It's embarrassing as an owner. Uh, one, one other former son's executive, a basketball side executive said, there's literally nothing you could tell me about him from a misogynistic or race standpoint that would surprise me. Sorry, of course, you know, when this first news story came out, um, Well, he came out through his lawyers and, and, uh, you know, your typical quote you expect, I'd never call anyone or any group of people the N-word or refer to anyone or any group of people by the N-word, either verbally or in writing. I don't use that word. Of course, later in the statement, Sarver acknowledged using the word (laughs) many years ago. Uh, (laughs) So there's already cracks appearing in this story before uh, before the NBA even opens its investigation. And, of course, you know, the statements kept coming back like that. Uh, P- Penny Sarver, who's uh, his wife, you know, not, not that we as Rangers fans know anything about, uh, I don't know, board members' wives getting on social media and, you know, anyway, leave that one there. But uh, she she actually reached out uh, <laughs> to former employees in the organization right before the story broke out. Uh, this is Penny Sarver, one message began. I know a lot of bridges were burned between you and Robert and you are very bitter. I want to remind you that real lives are at stake here. Uh, later in the message, but please put your hatred aside and realize the hurt you are causing by spreading lies and fabrications. Is your time in the spotlight that important? If something happens to one of my children, I will hold you and Earl Watson personally responsible. Think about your own child for a second. And imagine the tables turned. This was the messaging, of course, that came out of the Sarver camp. Again, this is a guy who wanted to own Rangers, and a lot of people would have been happy. And uh, no, um. The NBA opens its investigation uh, based solely on the back of the ESPN reports. And it concluded uh, here within the past week with, uh, well, the, the, the suspension of Sarver for a year and finding him $10 million. Now, according to the reporting, he said the N-word in that Draymond Green interaction five times. So apparently it's $2 million per N-word in one year. Um, it, it's. You know, look, I, you should be kicked out, right? The, we, the NBA has gone through this with Donald Sterling before. And the difference, of course, being that Sterling, there were recordings. But, of course, we, we now live in a society where people being recorded doing this stuff doesn't really matter. Which I think was part of Sarver's plan here was just to sit back and know that, uh, well, it isn't going to matter. Look, you can grab him by the pussy and still be elected president, right? Plus, God knows all the other shit that that motherfucker said. So having it recorded doesn't really matter anymore. I think Don Sterling just happened to be uh, well. Everybody was sick of him <laughs> anyway. People, you know, you had LeBron James, uh, of course, most visible basketball player in the world. You had Chris Paul, who's the, who was the uh, he was the head of the players' union and current Phoenix Suns point guard, come out saying that this isn't enough. The problem is Adam Silver, which I, I don't think people, you know, you know, Neil Doncaster works for one club, right? I mean, we we know that we accept that the the commissioner of the National Basketball Association, like the commissioner of all the sports leagues over here, works for the owners, and uh, the idea of throwing one owner under the bus for this kind of shit probably doesn't go over too well because I, I think there's a lot of owners out there in, in similar positions going, "Oh fuck, if uh, this is what gets you removed, well, that that might that might not bode well for me," <laughs> and so sorry. Sarver, again, is here to exercise, well, I mean, do things in their best interests. Uh, now, since then, you know, you've had the minority owner for the Suns call for his resignation. You want people out. I, I mean, I, I still think Sarver's trying to play the long game here and sit and hope that people just forget about it because people always forget about stuff. It doesn't really matter what you do. Pe- people just kind of, I don't know, goes away uh it's a it's a philosophy i think john bennett's trying to put in place right now but uh yeah anyway like, like i said i wanted to come back to to some stuff from from well the the earlier days of the crow because we're coming up on 10 years here well i mean the website itself is already more than 10 years old the, the the podcast the crow pod hits uh 10 years here in a couple months and again for for people who maybe weren't around back then the, this is the kind of stuff that we worked on um you know, we, we did some actual news, and, and again, that's the the show secondhand news. I mean, I do I do still try to source some information, source some material. I do do some reporting every once in a while, bring it to you guys here on the shows. But uh, I, I think it's important to know that, that that is, you know, my my general mindset in bringing this kind of information, these kind of stories to you guys, whether it be talking about the problems within the club or. Talking about, uh, well, you know, the, the stuff going back with Robert Sarver seven years ago that I was reporting out. Um, it, it's it's still it's still in my ethos. It's still how I go about building these kind of things. So, this week, speaking of, good reporting this week. Uh, coming up, we've got a new Rangers from Sea to Shining Sea with me and Gary Havlin. Again, going back, talking about Winnipeg 1954. We had cut this show previously but we both kind of thought we could do it better and you know it's me and gary still kind of feeling this out as he's come back for the shows trying to figure out the the best way to go about building them but that will be here uh, I, I think wednesday night or early thursday there will be a new watergate at 50 to help you get through the international break of course available on the crow pod and on heart and hand um and there is uh, a new crow pod regular crow pod coming for you friday Todd is still uh, banished to Italy in this horrible little holiday village he's in over there. I can't, God, it's got to be terrible for him. Sitting there on the coast of a sea and drinking wine and eating pasta all day. It's, it's one of the worst punishments we've ever handed out here at the Crow Pod. But uh, P- Peter Ewart's coming back to join me and David on Friday. Of course, David, COVID-stricken, he's got nothing better to do anyway. So we will be back with more programming. Again, thank you all. Thank you for your support. Uh, we are giving away some more stuff here from the famous. At the end of the month, you got ten days left. Hop on in, go down to the show. The show notes there. Hit that buy me a coffee link, or just you can visit support.thecopelandroad.org. Give us a hand. You go into the pot. We've already picked one winner for this month. I'm probably going to pick two more. So we got that coming up as well. Thanks again. We'll talk to you soon. Some people call me the space cowboy. Yeah. We can't even fucking serious at all.